Hi, welcome to another inspiring episode of Spirituality with a Twist, the podcast where we explore the fascinating mysteries of spirituality and the science behind it. I'm your host Mithilesh and today we have with us Ashley Hubler, a military veteran turned spiritual healer and a author. Ashley helps clients find inner authority, purpose through her work as a soul realignment and Akashic Records practitioner. She combines spirituality and her military expertise to provide unique insights on the mind, body and soul connection and empowering self-care practices. In this episode, Ashley shares her inspiring journey of transitioning from a military career to becoming a spiritual healer. We'll discuss tips, strategies for finding stability in uncertain times, positive thinking, using affirmations to change your life. So get ready to be inspired by our guests' unique perspective on spirituality and self-discovery. Because this is Spirituality with a Twist. So Ashley, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. So our listeners are already aware of your background and what you do. So... Take us way back to your childhood. What were you like then? And tell us about that. So way back when I was the black sheep of the family, I kind of just did my own thing and marched to the beat of my own drum. Uh, You could always find me out in nature, um, making some kind of mud potion uh, with sticks and leaves and whatever else I could buy. I was probably about 13 or 14 when I had my first real psychic awakening. That's when I really started to see visions and could see and sense energy a lot more. Um, When I was a child, I could see spirits and I was very empathic, but uh, it wasn't like what it was once I had that psychic awakening. And that's kind of what led me down this path in a way. So... You said that you were in army, as we was reading into your background. Mm-hmm. So you were there for a longer time. So how did your experience in army shape your approach uh, to spirituality and the coaching that you do now? So my experience in the army helped me really one hone my gifts for recognizing and predicting patterns, um, because I was always able to naturally kind of see the different choice trajectories. Um, and where it would lead you if you made that certain choice or approached a problem in a certain way. And then I could see, you know, the second or third order effects of that. So what would result from that solution if it would work out long-term? So being in the army, especially as an intelligence analyst, where my job was to predict the future, um, that really helped me get more experience in using my gift. The downside is, is, um, being in the military is very similar to an academic profession. So you have to set your sources. Um, so even though I would just inherently know things and understand things, I always had to find things to back me up. Um, it also really helped me in my leadership and communication abilities too, because being such a rebel, um, as a child, you can't necessarily say what you want to say when you're in the army, that'll get you in a lot of trouble as I very quickly found out. Um, so I really learned to know my audience and find ways to speak to them so that they could hear me. 
um, and would actually take me seriously and listen. So, with the army, you also uh, after the army you started doing Akashic uh, records. That's Akashic records. So, uh, can you explain what is Akashic records and how you use them in your coaching practice? Absolutely. So, I like to equate the Akashic records to the Google machine, right? When you pull up uh, Google, everybody can access it for the most part, right? As long as you have a connection. And what happens is a lot of times people will do these meditations or prayers, and it helps you pull up the homepage of Google, but we forget to ask questions. And when you're asking questions, you need to know, like you have to have that frame of reference to know what you're looking for too. So everybody can access it. It's just the access to the databases that you have that connect to Google, right? So I like to say that I go to the homepage of Google and I know the right questions and search terms to type in to find the information I need. Uh, now the Akashic Records databases would be um, each individual soul history for everything that has happened or could happen, um, as well as global history, global memory, and um, that of uh, the smaller subsets, so cultures, nations. Um, it is the universe's information database, really. Like a like a universal database, mm -hmm. if I have to simplify it. But uh, when we think about a Akashic record, it sounds like it has all the future on the past. But how is it possible when uh, when people say we have free will, so choices kind of like if I pick up a glass, it's up to me, right? So then how is this predictable by Akashic Records? So please explain to us that. So the easiest way that I can explain it is imagine multiple versions of you, infinite versions of you, where each one of those versions gets to go out and explore that choice, right? And then over time, you decide that, yeah, that wasn't the right, right path to go down. That didn't work out the way I expected it. So you get to instead hop over to one of those other parallel experiences where you made a slightly different choice. Um, and it allows you to really select the one that you resonate with the most, that gives you the most meaning, whether that's upholding a karmic pattern so that you can break that cycle, or it's the choice to actually break that cycle and do something completely different. Um, so when I'm reading the future in the Akashic Records, I'm reading um, choice trajectories. So probability or possibility, right? And it all depends on each now moment and what your one intention is and two, the level of action that you've put behind it. The way that I like to explain this is um, if you were to pull up like a PowerPoint or something, right? And you have um, a rectangle, say, and you go into the settings and you turn that transparency all the way down. So it's there. If you were to like right click and rubber band around it, you could see that outline, but you can't visually see it, right? So yeah. that's where it is in the Akashic Records as it's there, but you can't really see it. You have to know where on the screen it is, right? And the more we think about it, the more we research it um, and start to kind of build an idea of it in our head, uh, the more we start to slowly slide the opacity um, over to where it's more and more solid, right? So you get to about 20%, right? So you can see it. It's there, but it's see-through. 
is it like the, the the way you mention it like the way you say it is it like that means is it probable or is it accurate what do you mean by that is it probable or is it accurate the prediction that you're it doing for be, the future it would be probable because our consciousness experiences multiple different timelines and it's really up to our awareness as to what we tangibly experience in our reality so you must have many clients during the phase that you've been working on as a coach so can you share an uh, example of a client you helped uh, overcome old patterns and uh, create a life that they enjoy through your coaching methods? Yeah, absolutely. I have a few that um, I've been working with for about mm, two and a half years, roughly. One of them, she just discontinued our work together because she's finally in a place where she feels comfortable and just kind of taking it by herself. Um, cause that's always my goal, right? To give you the tools and resources so that you can, it can take it. Um, my goal is empowerment. And so she started out really being enmeshed with others, um, where she was, how would I describe it? Um, as an empath, you tend to act like a sponge, right? And you just kind of absorb everybody's gunk. And over time it gets it makes a really gross sponge, right? Just imagine one of those sitting in the bottom of a sink for a while, right? So um, that's where she started out, really, where she's absorbing everybody else's gout, trying to manage her environment. And this led to a lot of anxiety as well as like control and micromanaging issues. And um, to the point where she is now, she has the ability to really hold her own energetic space um, so that she's able to observe, but not absorb it. And um, this has allowed her to really experience her own life in a positive and beneficial way where she can recognize the issues, but she doesn't take it on for herself. Um, and one of those things was really boundaries as well as, you know, being able to discern what's hers and what's not hers. And that was really one of the biggest roots to a lot of her karmic patterns that we had to break and work through. So oftentimes when people sponge up all of everybody else's emotions and energy dump, right? Um, we will cope in different ways, whether it's isolating or it is uh, lashing out and reacting or it's running away, right? So that was one of the big, big issues that we worked through um, to help her break a lot of those cycles. Because really, when you look at the core of the Akashic Records and those cycles, there's usually only four or five core problems. I like to say it's snowballs, right? One negative choice leads to more negative yeah. choices, and they just kind of build on each other. Um, so usually when I look, look into it deeper and find those patterns, it's usually only four or five specific things that we need to work on. And then from there, it just could have unraveled. So um, you wrote a book that I was uh, looking through that is called mm -hmm. The Soul Ascension Code, that's what it's called. So uh, can you tell us about the book a bit? What is this, uh, this book about and what inspired you to write it? And what can readers expect uh, if they read, a, uh, read the book? Absolutely. So The Soul Ascension Code was um, a channeled idea back in um january 2021 if i remember right or 2022 
time is <laughs> anyways so i was talking to my best friend and collaborative author um about the ideas that were coming through because i'm a very external process person I, i'll have have the ideas and concepts up here but i don't have the way to give words to it so she is my my magic mic microphone that is uh and uh, really lets me kind of ground those ideas and give words to them so that I can communicate it with others. So um, as we started to really explore it, we started to see the potential within it and realized that we could read a book outlining all of this. So that's how it came to be. Um, but essentially what it covers is it takes you through the spiritual healing journey from start to finish, from the moments of awakening where you're hitting that identity crisis and you're wondering how you got here, what happened, who are you? Like, you just know that the life that you're living is not you. And you know that something's got to change. You've hit that frustration, right? So we take you through that um, all the way from start to finish to the points of embodied creation. And we use the seed of life, the six concentric circles. Hold it up to show you. The six concentric well, circles here in the that, center. That looks really great. The book cover for our Thank listeners uh, that are listening on uh, some podcast platform. She's showing me the book with her book cover that you can see. So, as I said, it, it's so. is it like a, uh, like a book that will make you question who you are or like a self uh inquire yourself help book or what do you what do you call it a self-discovery book what do you would label it as that? what is it exactly it would definitely be a self-discovery book because we're not trying to make you question everything and send you into an existential crisis we are helping you find what resonates is true for you and really lean into that uh there's tons of tools tips and exercises throughout the book as well, taking you through each one of those phases. Um, what I loved about the way that they set it up within the seed of life is, is it really gives you um, those that spiral pattern of learning, right? Where you understand something intellectually and then you really get it, that experiential learning, right? So as you're moving between the circles that in our lock, it's almost like your lens slightly shifts where you've integrated that intellectual understanding and you're able to really apply it in your day-to-day -day life. So it accommodates for that because there isn't any specific, like, you did it, congratulations moment, right? It's very subtle. So one thing that you were particularly mentioning that I think during the conversation was mindfulness is something that you keep talking. And uh, with the book also, I, th I, I think with your coaching, it's pretty important to keep that mind still. So Tell me about a bit that how do you incorporate mindfulness into your coaching practice and why is it uh, important for personal transformation? So when I speak of mindfulness, I'm always, always, always talking about your conscious awareness, right? And to have that conscious awareness, we have to be very mindful and know what those thoughts are that are going through our heads, because that will really help us get to the root of what the real problem is. And when we have awareness, it opens up the opportunity to really recognize in each moment what choices we're making and why we're making those choices. Something that my clients always hear me say is, just, well, your, your why is all that matters. You can do the exact same action 
but the why behind it, why you're choosing to do that will create your outcome, right? So if you're doing something out of pettiness or retribution versus doing it out of genuine kindness, it, it can be the same action, but what you're going to get from it um, is going to be completely different. So that awareness really allows us to look at that why and what that actual action is so that we can start to shift it and change it. So uh, uh, before you were mentioning about the book and you mentioned something called the karmic blocks, uh, which I was hearing pretty well. So how do you help your clients identify and address their karmic blocks? And what are karmic blocks exactly for the first uh, first time if someone is hearing about that term? So let me start with what karmic blocks are. Karmic blocks are choices that we have made throughout our lifetimes in a linear sense um, where we continue to make that same choice. Now, I want to really distinguish that these choices are not us. So these are things that do not resonate with who we are at our core. And that is what creates that, that negative karmic cycle. Um, but when I say negative, people tend to think bad. And, you know, in past lives, we didn't have a lot of freedom. So in some cases, it was literally death, exile, or do this choice, right? So we're really coming into an age where most of the globe has quite a bit of freedom to really step into their authentic uh, choices in self. And so we're really leaning into that in this book, helping you look what is you and what is not you. And we do that through helping you find those patterns and those cycles and really exploring what does not feel like you and how to shift that. So in coaching, I would do an Akashic Records reading and I would pull up all of the karmic blocks. So we shortcut 10 years of therapy and look at all of those choices and see what it is at the core that created those choices. And then from there, I will organize it and figure out what those root blocks are, those four or five that I mentioned earlier. And then I will develop a plan and work with the clients one-on-one to figure out how they're pulling that choice pattern. Because a lot of times we don't even know we're doing it. It's embedded in our unconscious. It's something that we learned as children, right? Because we're always born into a family or a, um, a life situation that resonates with our past choices and past lives, right? So if we have a karmic pattern of withdrawing or failing to speak our truth, we're going to be incarnated into a family that will, in one way or another, teach us to cope in that way. Whether it's through modeling or it's through uh, like the opposing dynamics, the victim perpetrator um, type of dynamic. So um, when I asked you about the army, uh, like uh, where you were then and you, how it shaped your coaching experience. So also because that that leadership kind of a skill there in the army it kind of helps you to become that coaching experience that I asked but when it comes to spirituality and the career path that you took after the army how did your time in the army impact your spiritual journey and career path that you took after that because that is something different than the experience in army that I referred to but that was a leadership experience this how it affected your spiritual journey please tell us so over 
the course of my army career, um, I had started out being still very spiritual. I remember I was in basic and they didn't have any kind of space for non-organized religions um, to practice. And if you didn't go to church, you had to get up and get out of your bunk and clean the bay while everybody else was at church. And of course, the rebel in me was furious. So uh, I raised a huge complaint um, and ended up being able to receive my tarot cards and take a, uh, what we call a battle buddy, basically just another friend with me. Um, and go sit under a tree while everybody else is at church so that I had the opportunity to practice my spiritual um, practice while everybody else did. Um, and so I started out really, really spiritual, but then as life does, they we tend to kind of get sucked into that and lose track of ourselves. So um, when I was in Hawaii, that was 2013 to 2015, we were so busy that I almost didn't have much time to really do anything spiritual. Um, my default was introspection and self-reflection. So that was really probably the most that I did in a spiritual sense. Occasionally I would pull up my tarot cards, but um, yeah, I didn't really have the opportunities to do much because I had a newborn at the time and was working all the time. What about the career path? That did it uh, did any if like did it affect you to choose this coaching career path specifically? Did it did it, it was it because of army that I'm, I'm so I was I had always known that I was supposed to join the army. Like it was one of those epiphany moments where I the recruiters would not stop calling me. And I finally agreed to go in if they would just leave me alone. I didn't plan to join. I just planned to hear their pitch so they would leave me alone. And the moment I walked through the door, it was like this sudden instantaneous light bulb moment where I just knew that that's what I was supposed to do for now, right? So let me caveat it with that. So fast forward to about 2018, I'm deployed um, in the Middle East and um, I keep hearing this like internal whisper that says you should get out. It's time. And, and you know, being the stubborn person I am, I didn't want to listen. I had other ideas for what direction I was going to go. Um, and then following that, there was a series of obstacles that the universe kept putting in my path. Um, essentially, and, and I would run through it like a raging bull and just burst through the walls and like, no, I'm going this way. Um, and it led to me having to get hip surgery on both of my hips in, um, 2020s when I had the surgery, 2019 was the point where my hips were just like, yeah, we're not going to play army anymore. Thanks though. Um, so right around that time that my hips decided to stop, that's when the Akashic records popped into my awareness and I just knew it was something that I needed to look into. Um, so I had started to explore that. So as I was transitioning out of the army, I was leaning heavier into my spirituality again and reconnecting with it and learning about the Akashic Records, doing different um, courses through soul realignment is who I went through and um, kind of exploring that. The last year right before I got out of the army is when I went through the Avalon Empowerment's um, coaching program where they teach you quantum time release 
and trauma awareness, which is one of the reasons why I reached out to them. Because when you're dealing with chronic patterns, you attract a ton of trauma. And I knew enough being a sexual assault response coordinator in the army that you don't want to re-victimize somebody intentionally. And you have to approach things very sensitively. So I actually went through Avalon because of their their trauma training. Um, so I finished that right after I finished getting out of the army. So can you share an experience with a client that was particularly meaningful and transformative uh, for both of you, not for just the client, but for you as a person too? So there isn't one specific client that I can really say was transformative for me specifically, because one of the beautiful things about the way I work is um, my role is Advice is always meant for you first. So when I find myself saying something three times in a short time span, then that means that the message is for me, right? And so in working with my clients and stuff, I would find myself saying the same thing to them. And then I would realize, oh, I need to look at that. That's something for me too. Um, so it really helps me in working through the last bits of myself um, as in working with others, just because it's, it's far easier to see somebody else clearly um, than it is to see yourself. The re that, that's why we always say, you know, the world is your mirror. So what advice would you give to someone who is struggling to listen to their inner wise and make important life decisions? So if you're struggling to listen to your inner voice, then that means that at some point in your life, somebody taught you that you couldn't trust yourself. And that is simply not true. So just like I tell my 10-year-old, you can go ahead and take that idea and go throw it in trash because you don't need it. And it's not going to serve you. You are always going to be the one that knows what is best for you and what feels aligned and feels right for you. A lot of my clients, myself included, feel tingles, like uh, chills through our body when something resonates is true for us. Um, otherwise, you can listen to your emotions because our emotions are an inner compass. You are never going to feel anger or resentment if something is aligned for you. So it, it it really is, you know, doing the things that light up your soul that bring you happiness and joy um, and paying attention to those emotions because they are emotion drivers and look at what that motion it's trying to drive you to do. And when you use that emotional compass to guide you forward, that will be the fastest way to find your, find your way back to your path instead of trying to walk others. So back to the before question that when you were talking about the army that I was remembering that you said that uh, you always fed a draw drawnness to the spiritual part of you but that time you were just so into army you didn't leave it but later on that when you felt this is getting i had to just now leave this and go to spiritual part it happens with many people like they feel they're drawn to the spiritual world they are made for this and they want to get into it but they feel hesitant or sometimes you know some kind of self-doubt arises so what uh, advice would you give to someone who is hesitant about pursuing a spiritual or alternate path 
but feels extremely drawn to it. Like he wants to do it, but he's really hesitant to pursue it. Um, I would say start small. A lot of people have this idea that their spiritual path has to be this all-encompassing, like, doing thing, right? Like, you, you know, rise and create this huge circle of candles, and you perform this huge ceremonial ritual, right? That's not true. It is really in those small day-to-day moments that you have the opportunity to integrate that spirituality, whether it is, you know, pausing and listening to your body and listening to that voice within you saying, I want to go here or I want to go here. It's noticing what lights you up and what feels true for you. Um, It is asking questions. Um, One of the sayings that has been on repeat in my head the last year is asking you shall receive. So asking those questions and then being open for those responses to be brought forward to you. Um, and those are really like the most critical things that you could really integrate into your life. It doesn't have to be this huge ordeal that you're dedicating hours of your life to. It's it's in being and not doing. So in what ways you think do you think that spirituality and self-improvement can be integrated into our daily lives beyond just formal practice and rituals which you just mentioned how can it be like a daily part of us without it being like a you know like i said a ritual when you have to just uh, perform it like it's just part of us how do you do that first and foremost is really developing that habit of mindfulness and awareness right in looking at why you're choosing to do things and how it made you feel. So whether you have an hour-long commute that you're using to dedicate to your inward reflection or it's journaling at the end of the night, but always giving yourself a place and space to process. Some of us can multitask and go for a walk or run on a treadmill and and reflect, um, whereas others really just need to do one thing. But I mean... Whether it's doing the dishes or it's sweeping or folding laundry, you know, those are places where we have space mentally to really look inwards and kind of reflect on and ask ourselves those questions. Meditation doesn't have to be a complete still stone silence, uh, like many people think. All you need to do is something that's repetitive that allows your body to relax and quiets your mind and puts you in a light trance. Um, everybody's experienced trance, whether it's a road trance or it's TV trance, right? Where it's just this kind of hyper-focused state where that's the only thing that you're paying attention to and almost everything else seems to stop existing. So that's why I suggest laundry or dishes or sweeping or walking. Those are all easy your ways. Own space. Yeah. Your, your own space. Making exactly. It. So as you mentioned that life can be hard sometimes, which you mentioned before, it could... Mm, suck you in if i have to say that and sometimes so can you share an example of a time when you had to make a difficult choice and uh, or decision of any kind and how did you navigate that uh, process uh, of yourself that time well okay let's see one of the most challenging was definitely you know giving it to the universe and just trusting that the spiritual path that I was on was going to form and work out for me. Um, 
So leaving the army was a bit terrifying since I joined at 18 right out of high school. It's all I'd ever known. And you hear these horror stories about people getting out and then becoming homeless and losing everything because they can't adapt, right? Um, or how they absolutely hate it because the civilian world is quite different from the military. They don't feel that camaraderie that you had in the military, right? Uh, so that was probably one of the most challenging moments where I really had to just trust and let go. Um, because before that, I was very controlling. Um, I was definitely that, that type A, like, no, it's my way. Um, it has to be this way, right? And um, over the last several years, I've really been working on my own self and, and working on all of the things that created that need to control um, and letting things flow. So coming from the army, I kept getting the messages right before to surrender. And to me, that says give up, right? Uh, that is throwing in the white flag, just like you're done. And that was like completely against who I am at my core. And it took me a while before I finally understood that surrender is like that moment where you're in the water and you just relax yourself and trust that the water is going to hold you. If you are trying to control yourself floating in the water, you are going to see. And so that is the easiest way I can ever describe the, the energy and the conflict surrenders. It's really just allowing the water to hold you and trusting that you're going to be okay. Uh, you just have to come out of that self-doubt mm -hmm. phase and do it but uh, you feel that I need to do it rather than self-doubting exactly. yourself but I'm going to ask you something a bit personal I think uh, that that I was thinking that I should you have kids uh, I think which I was when I was reading to and I think our listeners should be aware of that how many kids you have uh just one she's 10 she's 10 so um, beautiful uh so I was reading that you had a troubled relationship if I'm pretty correct and during the time in army you had to make a, a choice between uh, the home and the army which I was reading through can you tell us a bit about that why it was like you said that it was really troublesome for you in leaving your kid who was that time even smaller than she's today and it was really tough for you so can you explain to that time a little bit about that yeah so um I once I left Hawaii um I had went to Fort Hood and there was a lot of traveling um, between schools and um, professional trips. We had to go to different places. And um, I had divorced my then husband um, at the end of 2016. So with his schedule, I didn't really trust that she would be okay um, staying with him. And so I had to move her to Houston with my parents while I was traveling or um, his mother actually came and stayed with us for a few months at one point to to watch over her while I was traveling. Um, so then I'm, I'm constantly traveling from 2016 to 2018 when I was deployed to the Middle East. Um, and that was really kind of one of the reasons that sparked that whisper that I mentioned. It was like, you should probably leave. Um, because I had already been forced to move my daughter about five times in those three in those three years wow um and i was gone more than i was home and being the uh default parent 
you know, you know, um, she didn't really have a lot of time with me. And, um, towards the end of 2018, no, 2019, when I got back, she was really starting to act out and, um, a lot of like regression in her behavior because of that come and go that the army had had me do. So one of the challenges that I had faced that was trying to shove me out the door of the army was um, they put me on drill sergeant orders and I was going to go to school in January and I had just gotten her back in August. So that's when she had started kindergarten with acting out. I was like, I can't in my right mind move her back to Houston for this. Because in the army, you have to have a family care plan for me to take care of your children. That's part of your contract. If it interferes with the mission, then you're forced to get out. So when I think about the situation which you mentioned, was 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 the choice of leaving the army more related to this personal kid thing that you had or more to the spiritual journey? Because it's still a bit the dilemma when I think about both. Because they both are pretty hard once once, once you have this calling that I really want to get into it. But then there's the kid factor too. So you think that if you didn't have the kid factor with you, you would have stayed in army? This is a question that I think I'm getting in my mind. Uh, no, I would not have. Like I said, when I joined, I knew it was only temporary. I knew it wasn't going to be a career. And I always felt that in my core. I didn't know when it was going to be. But I knew that when the time came... I would be directed elsewhere. Um, and that was really one of the things that had kind of pushed me towards towards getting out. Um, but again, me being stubborn, I was like, no, I can make this work. Um, I had actually had to go through an administrative separation for because of those orders to girls are nuts. And initially I was just going to take it. Um, and I was going to get out and go on. But I had a lot of my senior leaders coming up to me and saying, you need to stay and we need leaders. Like, um, and they were encouraging me to just try to fight it. So I was like, okay, well, we'll see. You know, it works out if it does, it works out if it doesn't, we'll find out. So I did, I go, I did go to the administrative separation board and I, and I fought my case and I won. But um, I went to the point where I couldn't get promoted. I couldn't get any kind of awards or uh, recognition. You know, I was basically on a suspension for a year, which would end up messing up the rest of my career's progress because the Army adopted the policy up or out. And so if I didn't get promoted, then eventually I was going to get pushed out. Right. So, so I feel during that time, the army, the spiritual calling, the kid. Was it too hot for you, isn't it? Like the, during that time, how did you handle yourself? Because I think every day used to be, must be like a, like if I have to say, if you go to gym, your hand seems a bit like that's a, like a, a 20 kilogram hammer put into your head every day. Someone is hitting you like that. And you when I say that, like every day is a burden, isn't that? It feels to feel that so many, like they have a kid at home, then there's no husband with me to support me. Because if you had a husband at home, like, okay, someone is there to take care of her. Like, but all the time, you always have this worry of your kid, then your career, then there's no certainty that what's going to happen. How did you take to care of yourself? How did you like stay strong that time? So... One of the things that I, I need to point out is, you know, stress and difficulty is very relative. So being in the army, you were always put in high stress, 
high challenging aspects. Yeah. So whereas everybody else's threshold is, you know, <laughs> like a small handful, right? Um, my threshold was like an arm's <laughs> leg. Uh, because I was so used to operating in extremely high stress. And I have to remind myself that too, because even now my, my stress meter is way off (laughs) and people are like, you feel like going on, you know, you, you might want to wait before you take on something else. And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. This is easy. What do you need? I don't feel stressed. (laughs) So it's, it's very subjective and in what you've experienced to kind of defines your 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 personal need as to where calories um so i mean yes it was absolutely frustrating and challenging um but i've always been one to push through um i don't know if that's my stubbornness or my rebellious nature or what but you know i just persevere keep going um onto the next wall to to crash through so can you share an example of a client whose transformation or growth surprised you the most that wow that was like you were not expecting this much growth from a client or like but it it became really surprising for you as well you were doing the coaching uh sure okay so i'm gonna have to be very generic just because um all of my clients are very confidential i don't want to be yeah no i mean singling anybody out yeah. Uh, but I did have this, uh, I did have a client and I had done only the Akashic Records reading and um, I just kind of left it there. Uh, I hadn't fully started coaching. Uh, it was more like this monthly thing where I'm kind of talking about the spiritual sides and not necessarily the coaching aspects, right? Um, like a monthly check-in at that point in, in my business. Um, so she didn't uh, work with me any kind of extended place, but I gave her the, um, I gave her the full Akashic records reading. So bringing her that awareness. Right. And, um, when I checked in with her, say a year and a half later, um, you know, it had really forced her to look at things in a different way. And she was starting to recognize those patterns. And then as soon as she could have that awareness and recognizing these patterns, she started changing and shifting them and really kind of stepping into who she was at her core versus trying to these other people and, you know, do what was expected of her and all of that. Um, so that was probably um, a very surprising transformation and, and an attestation to the power of awareness alone, right? Because it might take a little bit longer and it might be a little harder, but just simply that awareness itself is a huge gift. So, you know, when you're getting triggered in your day-to-day life, it's taking time to explore that, to have that awareness over what that trigger is, that alone can be a huge opportunity for transformation. So what message or words of encouragement would you offer to someone who is at a crossroad or feeling uncertain about their path forward? So, oh, I apologize. I speak in a lot of metaphors, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, but remember that when you're driving at night, if you're not used to having those headlights on to guide you forward and somebody approaches you, 
in the opposite direction with their high beams on. I'm talking like that one million megapixel or megawatt uh, high beams, you know, the ones yeah, that blind yeah. you. It's, it's going to be painful uh, and you're going to pull back initially when that happens. But after a second, your eyes are going to adjust and you'll actually be able to see the road illuminated in front of you. So even though you're kind of sitting in that void space where you can't really see your path forward, you're going to encounter people that trigger you or provide some light um, to help bring clarity to you. Um, And it might be uncomfortable the first moment that you experience it, but just sit with it and give it a second because when you allow that to process, it will kind of illuminate the path in front of you. So what you said, I will just add on to it. I mean, sometimes, you know, people have the problem, like someone is really struggling with self-doubt and they have a limiting belief to them. Like, you know, I cannot do this. I can not be this, you know, and it, it's, 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 and there is no one to guide them, you know, sometimes. And they don't know who to talk to or where to listen. And sometimes, you know, they hear, I would say sometimes two voices. You know, this person that I was talking to saying there is one negative voice and then there's one positive voice. And people often focus more on the negative one because they find it more manipulative. It is so they find it right and they do it and they kind of said so it's hard so how do you get out of it and this self-doubt because you know you're limited you cannot be this and that so the positive voice is usually your higher self the negative voice is usually somebody in your life especially from childhood that was trying to project their own ideas of who you should be onto on you do right and you kind of internalize that and create it um, apart um and and that's the voice in your head that's just constantly nagging and nagging at you so look at who that voice looks like feels like or sounds like right and and start there and and work on letting letting go that voice right and forgiving yourself for ever feeling like you had to be like that when I did the self-love workshop back in February, one of the things that I pointed out, you know, was um, shame is always an internalized idea of somebody else's expectation for you, right? There's nothing wrong with you. So real quick, guilt is I've done something wrong and shame is I am wrong, right? And shame is never, ever you are wrong. It's just that somebody else expected you to be like them or in the way that they wanted and you internalize that and said oh I am wrong but that is not the truth you are perfectly right you just need to find who you are again um and really work on healing that aspect um so you're not wrong and if you feel like you are I promise you there is a beautiful soul within you and that is that is the light within you that you need to use to guide your journey that is the headlight in the metaphorical dark road so our listeners while listening till now i think a lot of people just kind of skip it at the end or sometimes not listen to complete i think Mm -hmm. people are pretty like that these days but whoever is listening to us till now and enjoying this conversation 
they might want to know more about you and they like to know what you do and exactly contact you. So how they can do that and how they can know more about you. Absolutely. So you are welcome to go check out my website, uh, www.seekingdivineserendipity.com. I'm going to drop that in the description, I guess. Perfect. You can also find me on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram where I post um, weekly energy updates to kind of help guide you on what's going on in the collective and how to transform and flip it into an opportunity instead of a... um, a negative experience, I guess I would say. Um, and I post guidance as well. Oh, and then every new moon, I host a community circle. Um, it's completely free, just a safe space to kind of help you process and work through whatever it is that you're going through and yeah. connect with other people that might be going through something similar or have already moved through it. So those are things that I offer to my community. So you can go on my website on the homepage. If you scroll down, there is um, an upcoming events and masterclasses section and RSVP right there. It's 60 seconds max to, to sign up. So I think something that, that kind of, you know, if I was going to ask, but I hope so. I'm not being too rude about it, but it's been a long time since you had a divorce and maybe a kid and everything. Is, uh, the, like, do you still live with your daughter right now? And, and with a relationship that now you're not married, like in a, you're like single right now, if I'm correct, is it? Mm-hmm. So what has your opinion, has your opinion changed on love and marriage after what you had experienced before? And how do you, because when we talk about spirituality, love is a big part of spirituality. I think anything when you talk about it's important, love thing comes, but you had an experience like that. So how do you view love right now? And would you be ready to be in another relationship in in the coming years when you feel like, yeah, or, or you're just too close now with the experience that you've had? I hope it's not too personal, though. No, it's all right. Um, so I had started dating right after my divorce, uh-huh. and I kept attracting the same type of person that was very non-committal and would just up and ghost you. Um, and just, like, no contact all of a sudden. And it got to the point where I had to realize that it was a me problem. I was the one that was attracting this. Um, it was, it was irrefutable. I was the common denominator. Um, so at that point I stopped dating and I really started focusing on myself. Um, because in the past I had a lot of like codependent type of um, behaviors where I had put others on a pedestal and really like allowed my life to revolve around that. Or I was, I've always been gifted at seeing the best in people um, and like the absolute potential. And people love that, love when you believe in them. But sometimes they can't own that. And I had to learn to see the potential and recognize the potential while still honoring who they are choosing to be in each moment and what those choices are. So there was a lot of little things that I really had to work through. And um, I kind of tested the waters and re-entered the dating pool here and there, seeing what I was what I was attracting and what I was putting up with, you know, what I was tolerating. Um, because we tend to go 
it's it's so subtle that you can't really pinpoint it but we do we tend to focus on uh certain people that we feel like we would be good enough for right um so i had to do a lot of work on myself to to answer that part of the but the more that i worked on myself and healed those aspects within myself the more i started to love and accept myself and you know what's it's funny is there's actually scientific research done is the more um you love somebody the more that you look at them in a positive light the more physically attractive they appear to you right uh, so what i noticed is the more that i loved myself and the more that i accepted myself the more physically attracted everybody else in the world became right um because like in the past i would like look at somebody and they're like oh good you poor soul, right? And it was really just aspects of myself that I was recognizing in them that I didn't like. So the more that I loved and accepted myself, the more I'm looking outward, the more I'm like, oh, I love that so much about you, though, you know? You know, it's 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 like that when you cannot, you're not happy yourself, how can you make someone else happy? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just that. And once you are happy yourself, you can make everyone happy and everything seems beautiful to you because you're happy yourself. But if you're depressed, you, the whole world looks depressed. Like you see the whole world as depressed as mm-hmm. well. You know, everything looks really poor. That's really Ex- Exactly. So when it comes to relationships now, I'm really kind of exploring how to be my authentic, independent self yeah. and work in a partnership with somebody else and what that would look like. So they receive it. I've, I've never had a role model to me. Um, what I see often is, is um, people in relationships will almost play energetic tug of war with their compromising games, right? So they're not actually really moving forward. They might take a couple steps as they're tugging themselves vertically. Um, but I want somebody to to walk in tandem right alongside me, right? And, and move forward on our own path, but with that companionship. So I've been really kind of watching different relationship dynamics and looking at, you know, what I appreciate and what I don't necessarily resonate with Um, and trying to figure out what that would look like. Because when it comes to entering with uh, into a relationship with another partner, you need to communicate your expectations. You need to communicate your needs and you need to communicate your boundaries. Exactly. Because people are always going to develop their own expectations of you based off of their past experiences. Unless you are the one to set those expectations, set that bar, right? Yeah. So um, I've I've kind of been outlining what it is that I want it to look like and uh, what roles I'm willing to play by um, because I don't want to play compromising games. I will accommodate um, if it's aligned for both of us or if it's not something that doesn't agree with them or doesn't agree with me. By all means, go do your own thing, you know. But what does that look like? So I think it's it's more of a, what I think it's, it's being uh, yourself. You know, when we were like uh, really when we were really small, like a kid, we used to do some kind of mistake or maybe something. We would we would like we were small, like seven or eight. We would think, is it really a sin? But we used to say, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, you used to say sorry to God or somebody. As we got older, you know. We did something really horrible when you're like teenager or something. Yes, 18, 9, you're even 20. We did something. Now we go to church. We are ask this priest or father that, you know, I did this, this, this. Uh, I'm I'm just so sh- like, you know, guilty about it. 
and you confess it there to the priest, as you know, and they ask forgiveness to God. That's how the system works, you know. It's such so stupid when I feel this because such a simple thing has become so complex now. It it was meant to be simple, but now we have made it so complicated that we need to go to X Y Z person. That X Y Z would ask to another X uh, say to X Y Z, and then he would say to another X Y Z, and this system goes to the upper hierarchy. Before it was just to be direct, right? When we were kids, but as we grow older, simple things we make it complex for some reason. We we make a wall around ourselves. We we try to measure ourselves to some bar. Sometimes we don't make ourselves limitless. We put our Put, put a limit in ourselves. We close. We think, we think, we are in a cage. Someone has put us into a cage like a bird. We are not free. We cannot do anything. It is not anybody who has put us into cage. We are the ones who have locked the cage itself, and we think someone else locked it. That's why no one else can open the key. Only the other person can make you realize that you are the one who has locked your own cage. You can only open it. You can make him realize. But he is the only one who can open his own cage and become free like a bird again. Because he's the only one who has created that imaginative cage, I guess. And that is something that I think a personal coach or somebody like a, influence, a good influence can make you realize. Other than that, I think it's your cage. Nobody else has created it for you. You might blame it to God or this person. It's all useless. It's never going to happen that way. It is you who has to break this cage. And the last thing I think I would say to you, the most which can happen is you're going to fail or you're going to die. Nothing can happen other than this too, but you're so afraid of doing it. That's just something that you have to come over it. But I think um, you're doing the coaching thing. Is it uh, right now your full-time work or you do something apart from it too? Yeah, it's my full-time job. So uh, you you wrote two books or was it was it the only book you wrote? Uh, the So uh, The Slow Sentient Toad is myself and um, Lane Mills, my good friend that I mentioned earlier. And then um, behind me, I have Sister Armor and Find Your Voice, Save Your Life, Volume 3. So I was a collaborative author where a bunch of us came together and wrote a chapter sharing our story yeah. and in the spiritual journey and kind of capturing parts of that to help others see that one, they're not alone. And two, you know, we can really learn from each other's experiences if we're open enough to it. Uh, stories are magical in the way that it allows us to see and recognize what's happening. Um, and then we can relate it into ourselves. Um, but if I'm telling a story about you, what are you going to do? You're going to instantly kind of close off and be like, you don't know me. Um, so, you know, listening to other stories can be very beneficial too. Yeah. So if, if you're one of those that likes the chicken uh, chicken soup for the soul, I think is what it's called, um, or those types of books, I would definitely recommend those too. And, you know, any book by uh, Breathe Healer Publishing, um, that's the company that we went through. Um, she does all kinds of collaboratives with different topics. So overall, I think what somebody can, what do you think, what can somebody f learn from your journey? What, what do you think someone can learn from your journey? Um, so one of the big things that I really stand for as like my top value is empowerment and authenticity, um, giving yourself permission to be who you want to be and try things out. Um, I capture the energy of play through trial and error. I allow myself to try things out and tweak it. Um, like those little, I don't know if you've, you've ever seen those little marble run games where you build the structures and then you drop the marble in. Um, uh -huh. And then it goes through the little obstacles. Which... Like a card, like the cards, you know, you yeah. the cards you're building. Yeah, kind yeah. of. 
my daughter has one of the little marble red things um but like it's like you think it's gonna work out in your head and you build it you put all this effort into it then you drop the marble in and it gets stuck somewhere you know and then you have to tweak the design and and you know move things things around but it's just really like developing that attitude of play and giving yourself permission to tweak things it doesn't have to be right the first time and um, something that I've been reminding people a lot lately is, you know, you get to change your mind. You might think that it's for you, but if it turns out that it isn't after you've given it a chance, you can change your mind. So um, don't put too much pressure on yourself. You're the only one who is trying to uphold these unrealistic expectations of yourself. Have a little fun with it enjoy life i think that is the main yeah. as uh, the main goal is to enjoy life and be yourself but i think sometimes people realize it too late sometimes for them and that was just, just yeah but i mean you know sometimes we have to experience the opposite of who we are mm-hmm. before we can really figure out who that is right it's something i've thought quite a bit about you know if i was in charge of the universe and the world how would i change things um to eliminate suffering but you can't because, you know, you couldn't discover who you are or learn and grow without those contrasting experiences. So lastly, my final question that I think I asked to everybody that come on my podcast, like the therapist, or even doctors, etc., anything. Long spiritual journey, army background also that I would add on, but are there still certain things that you... St- struggle with and you still fight with it and would you like tell us about it and how do you still like sometimes I, like i was talking to the therapist she was men- mentioning about anxiety still she fights being a therapist but that's her own personal thing but i think everybody has this little darkness in them that they have to fight and it's the part of life really like if there, it was not that it would not be fun anymore i guess so so i think it's there but how do you cope and do you still fight with it some some things that you still trouble you you know i um i struggle with routine and consistency um i do really well when i have a pattern to follow but the moment i mess up that pattern i kind of just fall off the horse so um so that being said you know i have all of the tools i have all of the resources i have all the answers i'm paid to give people these things right yeah (laughs) but i still forget to use them uh, life gets in the way and yeah, for myself, which is why I have that rule of three times, you know, I say it three times and I need to look at it. Um, but you know, life will get in the way and you just kind of get sucked into this time vortex where it doesn't exist while you're still doing things to just kind of up, upkeep and maintain. And then all of a sudden it spits you out and you're like, it's April. How did that happen? You know? Um, and so I, I still have to remind myself regularly to, you know, ground and to take time for my more reflection and um, to explore my triggers and um, pay attention to those little things that come up and the emotions that are around it and stuff. So I forget to use my tools too. Gifts. That they, yeah. 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 And I remind my, my clients all the time, you know, um, perfection is progress. That, that's all you need. You just keep practicing and eventually it will become an unconscious thing that automatically happens. Like every morning I wake up and I don't have to think about it. I walk straight to my coffee maker and I make coffee. 
it's embedded into you know it's exactly. like uh it's just it's, it's not something that you like uh, i was talking to this uh a therapist like she said i don't need to remind myself to do meditation it's just now like embedded like it's like uh like just like when i wake up in the morning i drink water it's just that basic for me it's just instinct now that i have to if i don't do it i feel weird like why didn't i do it <laughs> it's like part of it that's how embeddedness you have to build an awareness that i you mentioned the mindfulness that i need to do this thing consistently that's the law of attraction what i feel sometimes you need to be consistent with it yeah to get it to somewhere yeah and i mean even if you're consistent for two days and then you miss a day and then you're consistent for another three days you know the best the best progress um so don't get down on yourself or discount the progress that you have made um just because you missed a day or a week you know just keep going pick up where you left off and, and just keep moving forward um, in NLP, they teach us the learning model, which is the unconscious incompetence. I don't know what I don't know. And then you move into unconscious competence. I do know what I don't know. And then from there, you have that choice to start exploring and learning and practicing. And when you start to do that, you commit to conscious incompetence where you have to think about it uh, consciously to do it. And with enough uh, attention to it you move into that unconscious incompetence where it has become part of you yeah so you have a daughter and how would you describe love at this stage of your life like what is how would you describe i mean it's hard to describe love but still if you have to put it into some words love what is love for you in, in your opinion love for me is really this ability to recognize um, respect and accept each person for who they are and where they are in their journey. Um, I don't cast any kind of judgments onto others um, on who I think they need to be or how they should do anything. You know, I just accept that they're on their own journey and their own path. And if they want some support and guidance to shift things, they can ask, but I'm not going to, you know, push my opinions onto others yeah. and Force that them. yeah and that really allows me to um embrace that that unity consciousness that we hear a lot about right because you recognize that we are from the same spot we all have that spark of god within us you know um and you know, judgments are always our own personal practices right that we're pushing onto others and then when we receive those judgments it becomes shame so um being able to just really honor and, and appreciate each individual as I encounter them, um, to me is that unconditional love, you know? So I guess, thank you so much for joining us today on the show, Ashley, your insights were incredibly valuable. We really appreciate you taking your time to share your expertise with our listeners. And I think our listeners must have learned self-discovery, finding themselves and may have taken a lot of inspiration from your journey from how did it shape you but i think some people might still have in mind that she had a really strong background with herself but i i feel i feel that that's an understatement because i think the the fight was still hard i think it could have helped it a bit to build that base but i think still you fought really well and i think that's the courage that i think if people can have it's not because the army only showed you how to become that but you were the one who fought so that's how if you can also do that, I think the listeners will listen to us. If you have stuck somewhere, just be like Ashley. <laughs> if I have to be like don't no, don't be like me. Be like you. Be like be like you, but 
But it's it, in a way, I mean, just take the inspiration, the, take the fight and pick up. Be yourself. That's the most important thing. But I mean, what I mean by be Ashley is that take the inspiration from what she took in her life and incorporate it and become what a uh, best version of yourself. That's what she meant. I mean that. Yes. So, yeah. And I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the show today. And thank you so much again, Ashley, for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning into Spirituality with a Twist today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and gained some valuable insights from it. As we wrap up, remember that spirituality and philosophy and science are not separate entities, but rather interconnected aspects of our search for deeper understanding. Keep questioning, keep exploring, and always trust your inner wisdom. And if you would like to support the show and buy me a coffee, you can find the link in the show notes. And also, don't forget to connect with me on my social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, where I share reels and behind-the-scenes content from the podcast. And I love to hear your thoughts and feedback on today's episode. And if you hadn't already, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, so you never miss an episode and you can also watch the conversation with the video version on our YouTube channel. So once again, thanks for joining us today and remember to keep seeking the truth wherever it may lead you. See you next time.